has this title. It's Learning to Rejoice. But before we jump in into the message, let me, let me help you and let's go together through our bulletin. There's a couple of announcements that we need to make. And just like the cover of the bulletin says, it says, Exciting things are happening. Amen? Do you believe that? Can you say that with me? Exciting things are happening in my life, in my family, in my marriage, in my church, in my city, in my nation. And um, these are the announcements today. Number one, that, that life groups are back. Our life, our, our life group during the week, they are back. So you are invited to join us every Tuesday. We have men life group, women uh, life group, and we are just... Uh, Going to Romans, just like we're doing on Sundays, but we can get to go deeper on Tuesdays. Also, we have Youth Life Group on Thursdays at uh, 7. Where is Hudson and Becky? Well, today's Becky's birthday, right? So, happy birthday, Becky, wherever you are. And now, uh, Friday, we have uh, Hispanic Life Group in Espanol, right? For those who, who can only speak Spanish, you're free to come on Friday, Friday night at 7. We have a Hispanic life group. Also, we have ESL. We have an ESL school here at church, free for all those who are uh, newcomers. Uh, they are free to join us. So, if if you know someone that uh, that uh, that uh, would like to attend ESL, ESL is English as second language. Invite him. Okay, let him know we have free ESL program here at church on Thursdays at four. And also, Summit Youth is kicking. Off this Friday, yeah, it's starting this Friday, it's going to be great, so at 7, let's invite all our youth to attend. Okay, let's start. The sermon today, the title is Learning to Rejoice. Alright, <laughs> that's the sermon, Learning to Rejoice. And at, um, why I picked these words? Well, because I believe that we need to learn how to rejoice in the Lord, how to rejoice in God. Even when we are going through sufferings. Even when we are going through hard times. You know, life is not easy. Right? It's not easy. When you come to Christ, it is not like you have a, I don't know, a free pass to enjoy life and everything will be easy. Everything will be accessible and everything, you know, will be great. It's not like that. Actually, we, we need to go through trials. We need to go through hard times. Even Jesus said, whoever wants to follow me, what? What the person needs to do, pick up or take up your cross, deny yourself, and follow me. So we can say that the gospel has some, has, uh, some cost, you know. But that's why we need to learn to rejoice. And we will be talking, uh, or we will be studying Romans 5 today. Uh, last week we studied Romans 4. Chapter 4 speaks about, you know, how we have received our, this amazing justification, this uh, uh, access to God through Jesus Christ. And everything is through faith. It's not through works. It's through faith. Amen? Can you say with me faith? Can you turn to your neighbor and say it's through faith? Come on. Let him know. It's through faith. Faith only. Faith alone. That's the spirit of the, of the Reformation that the world is celebrating now. Uh, you know, 500 years uh, since that amazing day where, where Luther took his 95 theses and, you know, nailed them there on the door of the church in Wittenberg, Germany. And that's, that's our origin as the Protestant church. You know, we are Pentecostal, but we also are Protestants. We believe that it's only through faith and faith 
alone. So in, in chapter 5, we will learn, and we will speak about the results of having been justified by faith. So one thing is to know that I have been justified by faith, and the other thing is to know or see the results of that justification in my life. Amen? So uh, I have decided to divide the sermon in three parts. And there's a word that it's, I, I believe is the key word of the, of the chapter, and, and it's the word rejoice. Rejoice. And you will find it three times in Romans, in, verse, in verses 2, verse, verse 3, and verse 11. And because of this, I decided to divide the sermon in three parts, and the first part is called rejoicing in hope. We, we can say, well, that's easy. I'll, I like that part. I like to have hope, right? Who doesn't? <laughs> I like to have hope. I like to, to think about my future, like a bright future, a future of glory, and I do believe it. So we can say that part is simple, rejoicing in hope. But there's a second part, rejoicing in suffering. And I don't want to see nobody leaving the building when I get there, okay? <laughs> rejoicing in sufferings. We're going to learn together this morning, in 40 minutes, how to rejoice during trials, how to rejoice in God during hard times, during, during hardships. And number three, the last part of the sermon today is rejoicing in God. You can follow me in your bulletin. If you don't have a bulletin, you, there's plenty. I think there's more there in the, uh, in the foyer. And here you will find the outline of today. You can fill in the blanks so you can take this home. And then you can have your collection of sermons, I guess. <laughs> Anyways, let's start. Verse 1 and 2 of, of Romans Chapter 5 says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Number one. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, through Him we have also obtained access, number two, by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Here Paul is speaking about what I believe... Um, the foundations of our Christian life. I call it three levels of Christian growth. There are, there are three levels of Christian growth in the Bible and here, right, right here in Romans. So the key here is that we need to learn to rejoice at these three levels. And these are things that we need to learn through experience. It's not like I will go at church, to church and take a course on how to, how to do better when uh, I don't feel good. No. It's true experience. We need to experience these things. We need to see these things uh, come alive in our lives. These are results of, of us being justified by faith. We will learn to rejoice and we will receive a rejoicing spirit. Amen? You want to receive that? A rejoicing, enduring spirit. That's what we need. And who gives that kind of spirit? Only the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit wants to impart to you this morning this rejoicing spirit. So you are able to rejoice even in the midst of suffering and troubles. Verse 1 and 2 then, we learn through these two verses how to rejoice in our spiritual position. And that's a fill in the blank right there. Spiritual position. First of all, we need to learn to rejoice in Christ Jesus. Last Sunday we talked about what it means to be justified by faith. Remember who was here? Remember? What does it mean to be justified by faith? Okay, we learned that, it's, that it means to now have a friendship with God. Just like Abraham did. Now to have closeness with God. To be his friend. To enjoy him. 
So, but today we are, we are learning about the results of being justified by faith. And then in this chapter, Paul says that there are three ways by which you can know whether you really do believe that and have been justified by faith or not. So these are three signs of someone that have been justified by faith. And if you, and if today you, you look at the scripture and, um, and, and you see that your life, for example, is lacking peace, well, that's a bad sign. You know, something is going on. We need to see what is our connection with God. What, 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 what is the state of our relationship with the Lord? So the first one, the first result is peace with God. That's what Paul says in verse 1. It says, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God. And that's an amen right there. We have. It's not like we will have peace with God when we are dead. No, right now we have peace with God. And if I have peace with God, I can have peace with my wife. I can have peace with my children. I can, I can have peace with anyone. Because I can enjoy the peace with God. I'm his friend. Peace with God. That's the first result. I think there are at least four things that are true immediately when you are at peace with God. Number one, we lose our fear of God. Now, let me uh, tell you what this means. The fear of approaching Him. I'm not talking here about not uh, coming before Him with reverence and respect. No. I'm talking about the fear that we have before of coming before God and talk to Him because we believe that He was just a, I don't know, a judge that was in heaven with a, twi- with a lightning in His hand and He was, you know, if we didn't behave well, He was about to, s- to send us punishment, whatever. No, that's not God for us. God is a tender, it's, it's a tender-hearted Father for us right now, not a judge. Are, are, are you seeing God as your judge or as your beloved Father? How are you seeing Him? That speaks about your relationship with Him. If you have been justified by faith, you understand that He's your Father. And of course, as any father, He will, you know, discipline His children. All right? He will ask us to obey Him, of course. But not, not out of fear of condemnation, but out because we want to worship Him. We want to adore Him without obedience. That's what it means to have peace with God. We lose our fear of God in that way. He's our Father right now. Number two, we lose our fear of death. We lose our fear of death. Psychology says that the fear of death is the, the I don't know, the foundation of any other fear. You know? Fear of spider, whatever. How many here have fear of spiders? Show hands. My wife, number one. All right. <laughs> yeah. I remember in Guatemala when, uh, when, where we met, there was these huge spiders like this. Remember? Okay. <laughs> wow. So, but there, there's other kind of fear. A lot of people are afraid of death. You know, they suffer this. They, they have fear of death. Now, if we have been justified by faith, we no longer are afraid to die. Because now we can understand that death as such is not the end. Just like the people believe it is. It's not the end. But actually it's the beginning. The beginning of the experience of eternity with God. The eternal life. It's just the beginning. So we are not afraid of die, of dying. We lose our, our, our fear of death when we actually believe in Jesus Christ, when we have uh, committed our lives to Him and we have decided to follow Him. Number three, we have the answer to the attacks of doubt and fear that the devil is capable of bringing into our lives. So, 
Roger, are you saying that if I come to Christ, I will not have to struggle with fear anymore? I'm not saying that. We need to know that we are in the midst of a spiritual battle. And the enemy, the devil, is trying to bring doubt and fears into our minds all the time. But now when we believe that we have been justified by faith in Christ Jesus and we can enjoy our peace with God, now we have the, the key to have victory. We all struggle with doubts and fears. We all do. I can share from my own experience the, you know, the, in, I don't know, a lot of times that I have faced the enemy of doubt in my personal uh, life and even in, in my ministry. You know? Now let me tell you how we can overcome doubt. There's a way. I know that if I rely on my feelings, the battle is already lost. If I rely on the way I feel right now, then the battle is lost. Instead, I need to make the decision of remembering the promises of God and meditate on what the Lord has done and will do in my life. I need to go to Scripture. I need to remember what God has have said to me before. What are His promises? That's why it's good to journal, you know? To write down things on, on a journal so you can remember the promises and every word that God have, have uh, given you. You, can, you know you have it right there. So you, you can just go and read it whenever you're facing doubts and fear or anxiety, whatever. You know, that's the way. We need to go to God right away. Remember His promises. Then, if you do not have that sense of peace, the way to get it back is not by working on your feelings, but by reviewing your justification. Go back to the cross. Take a look at what Jesus did for you. Take a look at His love for you. Go over the facts again. Remind yourself of what God has declared and what kind of, of a God He is. And remember His promises to you. Remember Abraham? He faced doubt. Yes or no? Did he? Yeah, big time. 100 years old, God asked him to have a child. That's almost, that's impossible, we can say. Naturally, it's just impossible. There's not a way. He tried to do it his way, in his own way, you know, and that was a mess. So he needed to rely on God. And he needed to rely on God's promises. And that's when we see the miracle. When you rely on God's promises... When you go back to his promises and you don't give uh, an inch to the enemy in your mind, then you will see the miracles, the miracles happening in your life. God will answer because God rewards your faith. God rewards our faith. So also, we need to know that we have an answer to the accusations of our own consciences when we sin or the accusations of the enemy. This is what it means to have peace with God. Now we know that when we sin, and I know that a, a lot of Christians come to the Lord and they are like, well, I, I just gave my life to Christ, I will not sin anymore. You know, we are, we are fighting in this life. We have this fight with this flesh. We are fighting the world. We are fighting the enemy. And we do sin. That's why the Lord Jesus, when He taught us how to pray, He said, in every prayer you need to ask Forgiven. You, 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 you need to ask for forgiveness. Because we sin. And we need the grace of God every day. But now that we, we understand that we have been justified by faith and we enjoy the peace with God, we can remind ourselves at that time of, you know, when the enemy comes and try to 
accuse you. We can remember, my standing and my acceptance by God does not depend upon me. The whole essence of this truth is that God has found a way to put aside my sin by faith in the work of His beloved Son on my behalf. And we can go to Scripture in John 1.9 that says that if, if we confess our sin, He's faithful to forgive our sins and cleanse us of every impurity of any evil. And we can, you know, remember the promises and we can just go, go before the throne and ask forgiveness and we believe. That we are forgiven. That's grace. That's our God. The second result, besides having peace with God, is that we have instant access. And that's a fill-in-the-blank word right there. Instant access to God Himself. This is amazing, you know. You have access to heaven all the time. Ira, when you are driving the bus, you have access to God. You can just pray, but don't close your eyes, all right? It's the only thing. <laughs> but we have access to God all the time. Whatever we are, doesn't matter. You can just meditate on Him and say, God, I'm your children. I'm your child. And just enjoy Him. The second mark is found on verse 2. Paul says there, in verse 2, um, Through Him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. Through who? Through Jesus Christ, we have access to God. Paul says that, 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 that now we have access to, to continued grace to enable us to stand in the midst of pressures and problems and trials and difficulties. You have access to heaven. You have access to grace. You have access to God. This is a constant supply because we have instant access to God himself, the God of all grace. And that is something to rejoice right there. I can come before his throne, just like we were singing today, and not believe that he's there to listen to me, and he's there to speak to me in his presence, hearing him. And that's great. We have free access into God's presence, and it's in his presence where we receive from him all that we need to handle any threat that has come into our lives. The third result is in, in verse 2 is that we now we can rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. That's what, that's what Paul says, says in verse 2. He says, By faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope to the, of, of the glory of God. So the three results, or the three signs that you have been justified by faith is that you have peace with God, number one, you know it. Number two, you have instant access to heaven, and you use it. You use it. You go Every time, every day, you, are that, you have that connection with heaven all the time. And third, you can rejoice in the hope. You have hope. You are a man or a woman of hope. That's a sign right there. That I'm talking to someone who has been justified by faith. That person has hope. That person knows that nothing is lost. Everything have, ha, has been regained by Jesus Christ. We have our hope in Him. So the third result is this, rejoice in the hope for, of the glory of God. That means that as we look at life ahead, we can rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And hope, my friend, is not a word that means a mere possibility, a good chance, let's say. A good No. Hope, as it is used in the Scripture in this way, is speaking of a ringing certainty based upon the words of Jesus Himself. And one of the promises that Jesus gave to us is, because I live, you shall live also. That's a great promise. That's a great promise. 
It doesn't matter if the world ends tomorrow. I know that I will live. You will live. You will not die. You have eternity. God had, put, had, had placed eternity into your heart. Number two, the second part of our sermon today is rejoicing in suffering. So let's read Romans 3. And we're going to start reading verse 3 to 5. It says, Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope that does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So one thing is to rejoice in hope. That's, we can say, easy. But another thing is to rejoice in sufferings. It's to rejoice when I'm going through afflictions, when I'm going through, I don't know, problems in my marriage or lack of finances or I don't have a job or I have problems with my children, addictions, uh, depression, anxiety. I don't know, a relative just passed away. That's hard. Life is hard. That's why we need God. That's why we can't do this thing called life without God. Without having this time together with him, we can't. Simply, we can't. So we need to learn today to rejoice in sufferings. And this is what the Bible says about it. The Bible says that this is uh, a process. Now, we rejoice not only in future glory, but in present trials and sufferings. Not because trials are pleasant, right? They are not but because they produce a step-by-step transformation that makes believers more like Christ. That's the final uh, purpose of trials, to to transform us more into the image of Christ. It is in moments of difficulty, pain, and affliction where our joy in Christ becomes more evident to the world. Do you agree with me? Right, yeah. It is... It is easy when I have a job, I have a house, I have a family, I have a car, and I have the money to put, you know, money to put gas into the car and then come to church and praise. That's simple and easy. But what about coming to church when it's minus 35 here in Calgary? Very soon, folks. Uh, <laughs> hey, bad news? No? Okay. <laughs> what about that? When I don't have money to put gas. When uh, I'm at the border of being, I don't know, laid off. Or when I have problems with my children. It's not that easy to continue my praise. It's not that simple, we can say. That's why we need to learn. You need to come to God's university, God's college, and learn this course called Rejoicing in Sufferings. We need to rejoice. It is clear from these verses that Christians are expected to experience suffering. We like it or not. I, I think one of the more difficult questions that we, we can receive, we pastors can receive, is why do Christians suffer? If we are God's children, why do we suffer? That's a hard one, right? Hard to give an answer. But now we understand why. And we will see the reasons right here in verse, verses 3 to 5. Paul when Paul wrote this letter, he wrote this letter around the, the year 57. He was in Corinth in his third missionary journey. And he wrote this letter to the Romans Christians, to the, to the church in Rome. You know, that I think one of the churches that was being persecuted the most back then was the church in Rome. It was in the capital, in the metropolis of the Roman Empire. 
they just have a hard time emperor called Claudius. And now there was a new guy, new guy in, in town, new guy in charge. You know what was his name? Nero. You know about him? <laughs> Nero. So it was not hard. And I'm just waiting for Romans 13 where it says that we need to subject ourselves to our authorities because we will learn that God was telling the church, church, you need to subject to Nero. <laughs> That's going to be great in a couple of Sundays. But look at this. Paul is speaking about sufferings to a church that was experiencing, experiencing suffering. You know, they were experiencing suffering. And Paul is saying... That they need to know that even in the midst of suffering, they need to rejoice. The Greek word for suffering basically is translated as tribulation. So when somebody asks you, so will Christian go through the tribulation, the great tribulation? I don't know, but I know that this life we have tribulation no matter what. <laughs> All right? It's just part of life. Suffering, tribulation. So what is the Christian response to suffering? Well, Paul says... Very clear right there in verse 3, we have to rejoice. We rejoice in our sufferings. Now, there are certain things this does not mean, though many people think it does. Number one, rejoicing in, suffering, in sufferings is not simply being indifferent to pain, okay? It's not that. It's not just a hanging there until it's over kind of thing, okay? We can't be indifferent to pain. We suffer. You know, we need to accept it. We also suffer. We cry. We are sad sometimes. Number two, it doesn't mean that we are not merely expected to enjoy the pain or try to suppress our sadness. It is not like, well, I'm feeling so good. I'm having so many trials. You know, bring it on. <laughs> it is not like you're praying, Lord, and like, Lord, I want more trials this week, please. Have you done that prayer? I don't think so, right? <laughs> I don't think so. But trials come. But we don't suppress our sadness. We don't, you know, we are not expected to enjoy the pain. And also, rejoicing in suffering doesn't mean pretending that you are happy when you are not. You know, putting a happy face. It's not like that. It's not like that. Even Jesus. Jesus tried to hide his sadness in one point. No. When his best friend Lazarus died... What the Bible says? Jesus cried. He was sad. One time I met a, a guy in, in Argentina. He, was, he, he lived in Ecuador for, long, for a long time. And he got to know Christ there in, in Ecuador. And I don't know what kind of church he attended. But in that church they taught him that sadness is a sin. So a Christian can't be sad. You can't cry. Otherwise you are Sinning. Wow, is that biblical? <laughs> and he was really confused. And he came to me and he was like, I don't know what to do. He goes, I'm not feeling good. He was going through some hard times back then. And he was even more believing that he was sinning because he was sad. And I have to explain to him, this is what the Bible says. Jesus, even Jesus was sad. Jesus cried. Do you believe that by, do, by doing so the Lord sinned? Of course not. Of course not. Then... Crying or being sad, it is not a sin. It's just a, an emotion. And emotions are not good or bad. They are just emotions. The problem is, is how we handle our emotions. That's the issue. 
How am, am I handling my sadness? It would have been normal that my sadness, I don't know, will last a year? No. No, it wouldn't. That's why we need to learn to rejoice in the midst of trials and suffering. So from sadness, we don't get depressed. We don't get other things, right? And so I just wanted to clarify that. See, how do you get to the place where you can rejoice in sufferings? In verse 3, Paul says, We rejoice in suffering because we know. That's the answer. Why? Why we Christians, we believe that sufferings are also something that we need. We like it or not. We, we know. The answer is because we know that through sufferings, God is doing something in us. God is producing something. You know, they have a purpose. Four things that suffering produces. Verse 3 to 5, we just read it. The first one, it says endurance. Can you say with me, endurance? Endurance. First, suffering produces endurance. In some versions, uh, the word may be patience or perseverance. But the Greek word literally means to abide under, to stay under the pressure. How long? I don't know, till God decided. We need to learn how to abide under pressure. And some people can't handle pressure, uh, pressure, sorry. But we need to learn. And learning will help us to rejoice. So also perseverance or endurance is the opposite of panic, of bailing out. In this sense, suffering produces steadiness, balance, and stability. You know who, what kind of people receive promotions in a, in a business? doesn't matter if they have a PhD or whatever. You know what kind of people receive promotion more often? Those who show steadiness, balance, and stability. You know? They are able to work under pressure. They, they know how to handle trials and pressure. And that's something that we need to learn. We need to learn. Number two, through trials, God produces in us character. Paul says that endurance produces character. The Greek word for character carries with, with it the idea of being put to the test and approved. And that's what God himself did with Jesus. We see that during, during Jesus' ministry, from the very first day, go to the trials, go to the desert. Last day, you know, in the trial, in, in the cro- on the cross, that was his biggest trial. And he was approved. So that produced character. Endurance produced real, um, produce in us confidence. We can receive God's confidence. And we know and we can stand in grace. Number three produces hope. So now we are back to hope again. In verse 2 Paul spoke of rejoicing in hope. The hope of sharing the glory of God. A hope for the future. But here is hope that we will share the glory of God. Which is God's character right now. It's the hope of knowing that God is with me right now. In the midst of my suffering and trials. And just go to the Bible and let me know of one single Bible character that didn't go through trials. You find any? No. No. We can speak about Moses, David, uh, anyone. Daniel, Sadrach, Mesach, Abednego. Those are good names for a, for a future baby. Huh? <laughs> Sadrach, Shenkins. see you see all the bible characters all of them went through trials and now the now the the thing is that i need to be ready 
I will also go to trials. And trials could be, you know, simple things, small things, to big things. There are a lot of fellow Christians who are dying for, for their faith in Christ in other countries right now. Maybe we don't have that kind of persecution. We have other kind of persecution, cultural. Maybe you, you, your own family is against you because you're a Christian. Because you believe that Jesus is the only Messiah. Trials. Now, finally, this process brought to, uh, brings to us then uh, endurance, character, hope. But also, Bible, the Bible says that we are not put to shame. Other versions tra- translate this as hope does not disappoint us. This is the whole point. Hope makes us confident. Hope produces confidence and boldness. When we went through sufferings, we lose our fear of shame. And we speak up and share out of the reality of our experience of what God has brought us through. And this is the testimony of so many Christians in hospital beds right now. They believe that they have a big God who is able to heal them or not, but who was able to heal them eternally from the inside. You know, when we go through sufferings, we can tell to others, I have been there. And God was with me there. Experiencing God's love enables us to rejoice in our sufferings. Verse 5 to 10. Let's read together verses. First, let's read verse 6. It says, For, uh, for while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one will dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we, we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. In verse 5, Paul says, Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And that's the middle verse of the whole chapter. That's so important, that verse right there. This is the explanation Above all else, of how to rejoice in suffering. How? Through the Holy Spirit. It says there, because God's love has been poured into our hearts. When we experience experience God's love, that enables us to rejoice in our sufferings. You can see how important this is, because this is the first mention in Romans that Paul makes of the Holy Spirit. And the first mention in Romans that Paul makes of God's Love And you see how, how Paul connects both Holy Spirit and God's love? How do you know that you are loved by God? By the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit in your life, dwelling inside of you, means that God loves you so much that He sent Jesus to die on the cross so you may receive eternal life. And the promise of that eternal life is the Holy Spirit who dwells inside of me. And it's through the Holy Spirit that I can endure sufferings and trials and I can just carry on with my faith in Christ till the last day when he will come back or or when I expire and I just use my last breath on this earth what will help me to endure the Holy Spirit he is going to help me he is working in me here Paul explains the difference that uh, 
that we see when when we speak about suffering, some people see sufferings as I don't know, as God is punished them and God is just mad at them. That's why they are going through hard times. But that's not just that's just not the case. The difference is in seeing your suffering as evidence of God's love and not His wrath. That's quite challenging. Let me tell you. That's a big challenge of the Christian. To see even in the midst of his own sufferings, see the hand of God behind everything. And see the love of God behind everything. The Holy Spirit will permit you to experience the love of God. A love so rich that you will not be able to help but rejoice in your suffering. Now we come to the first Paul's argument. Um, in, verse, in verse 8, Paul says, But God shows his love for us in that we, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And then we jump to verse 10. It says, We were reconciled to God. Now we know. We can enjoy this relationship with God because he loves us and he wants to be with us. That's why Jesus brought reconciliation between us and God. Now, the last part of the sermon is rejoicing in God. So we just have seen that we need to rejoice in hope. Amen? We can say, well, that's simple. Because we want to have hope. We want to uh, trust of a better future for us and our, our family. But the second is rejoicing in suffering. And that's the hard part. Now we know that we need to learn this. We need to learn this. And I don't know if you're going through hard times right now. Because, you know, when we speak about trials, we, maybe we believe trials are, I don't know, suffering, persecution, or whatever. But trials could be, you know, some small things too. Those little, little annoyances, I can say, right? Those small things. That maybe are, you know... Um, bringing to you, I don't know, sad, sadness or doubts or whatever, now you know that you need to trust God even in the midst of those afflictions. He will show you His love and you will be able to rejoice even in your sufferings. In verses 11 to 21, this is the final passage we're going to read today and we finish the, the chapter. Paul says, verse 11, More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of, uh, of the one who was to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass Brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if because of one man's trespass death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness 
leads to justification of life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now let me tell you, it is almost impossible to summarize all the spiritual richness of this passage in just a couple of minutes. It's almost impossible. We can be preaching about this 10 verses for months. So rich. We see Paul bringing this contrast. Adam, Jesus, condemnation, justification, judgment, life. But I will try my best. Um, First of all, in verse 11, Paul says, In God, through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. So the basis of all God's promises is Jesus. There's no other way of receiving God's promises in my life that is not through Jesus. I'm longing to see God's promises fulfilled in my life. Then I need to long to have a personal relationship with Jesus. But it's because it's only through him. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And the only access to heaven. So everything that comes to us comes through Jesus. Everything that comes to us comes through Jesus. Heaven blessings to your life comes through Jesus. He brought reconciliation. Now you can enjoy your, you know, being, having a relationship with God through Jesus. So I just decided to divide this long passage in four movements. The first one, I titled it, Paul begins with us in Adam, and, um, and the title that I put to this passage, verses 12 to 14, is Sin and Death. Paul starts with two indisputable facts, the universality of sin and the universality of death. There are two things that are just a rule for everybody. There are sin in the world, and there's death in the world. Why there's death in the world? Because there's sin in the world. Jesus spoke about this and he said that everything that goes wrong in life it is not because God's love is failing it's because our own sins that dwell in, in this flesh they are reigning. That was, that, that's why things sometimes go so wrong. Paul starts with this. We can't deny this. The world is victim of the twin evil of sin and death. Do you agree? Yeah? There is sin out there? There is death out there? We struggle with sin. We struggle with death. There's clear evidence. Whatever you look in, in the human race, that something has gone wrong with our humanity. I can't believe the things that are happening in the world right now. And I have the answer. I, I, I don't have the answer. God has the answer in, in scriptures. It's because of Adam's sin. <laughs> it's because of the sin of one man brought all this. So you hear about war rumors and... Uh, Everything going on and violence, a lot of violence. There seems to be an escalate of violence in the world, in our society. Why? Why? Because of our own sin. 
So here, uh, the, 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 there was a guy, a man called G.K. Chesterton, and he said, whatever else may be said of men, this one thing is clear. He is not what he is capable of being. Because there's, you know, we have been distorted by sin. That's why Jesus, you know, what Jesus do in our lives, what the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives, is transforming us more and more into the image of Jesus Christ. So we can be, again, as we were at the beginning before the fall. He's doing this process of transformation in our lives, in our character. Besides this, everyone acknowledges the universal process of death in, in our society. So on this passage, Paul says, death reigned, still added on, he says, sin reigns. So how did sin and death get control of our race? Paul says, through one man. That is the key to this whole section. Again and again, Paul rings the changes on that phrase. Through one man by one man. And Paul is con actually contrasting two men. Adam and Jesus. Now let me tell you something. You don't belong to Adam anymore. You belong to Jesus. He came to pay the price. He paid the ransom. You belong to Jesus. Not to Adam anymore. You are not of this world you belong to the kingdom of heaven. You are a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. So now inside of you, you have the power of heaven active. Huh. And that power of heaven, the Holy Spirit inside of you, wants to transform the way you perceive your own life. He wants to give you a glimpse of eternity. He wants to give you hope and peace. That the peace with God that we learned at the beginning of the sermon. All that will happen when we... Get to trust more Jesus than Adam. Adam will always come and say, there's no way you can get out of this. Jesus will come and say, there is a way. I am your way. Adam will come and say, there is no solution to this. And Jesus will come and say, there is a solution. I paid the price. Solution is just go back to the cross. Adam will say, this will last forever. Jesus will say, Jesus will come and say, I'm here to help you. I'm here to change things in your life and turn things upside down because I'm that kind of God. I enjoy being with you. That's my Jesus. So, in the second movement, Paul speaks about Adam and Jesus. In verse 15, he says that Adam brought a gift to humanity. What is the gift of Adam? Sin and death. Sin and death. But Jesus came to this world to bring also another gift, the gift of grace. It says, but the free gift, verse 15, is not like the trespass. The gift, what every human being is always looking for is the gift of righteousness. And it comes as a gift from the Lord Jesus. The trespass is Adam's disobedient act in the Garden of, of uh, Eden. That, that was the big trespass right there. What we call original sin. In verse 15 also, Paul speaks about Adam. And he said, Adam brought a single experience of death to all people. But Christ brought a repeated and ever-growing experience of life to all that are in him. Wow. Eternal life. Ever-growing experience of life. That's what Jesus promised to the Samaritan woman. Right there. Oh. Life. Life. That's the, that's the promise of Jesus to you. Life. Life. 
In verse 16, Adam trespassed once and brought death to all. That's judgment. But Jesus died once and brought life, justification, despite thousands of trespasses that we will commit. You cannot out the grace of God. It's just amazing. How many sins God will forgive me? I don't know. I only know that Jesus paid the price for my, the sins of my past, the sins of my present, the sins of my future. That's the only thing I know. Does, does that mean that I, I have, I don't know, like a, a car to go and, you know, sin all I want? No. I'll tr- you know, I'm just learning to be a follower of him. I'm learning. Are you learning? I am. And it's hard? Yes, it's hard. Do you believe it's easy to take up your cross every day and most of all deny yourself? <sighs> deny your sinful nature, the nature that you inherit from Adam? It's not easy. But you have the power of the Holy Ghost inside of you. And in Him everything is possible. Also, in verses 18 to 19, we see the third movement. Condemnation and justification. And Paul is saying that there are two gifts that we receive. From Adam, we receive death, condemnation, and judgment. That's every baby that is born in this planet. And I'm sorry. And that crushed my heart because I have two. I have one girl, four years old, and I have a baby boy coming. But I know that they will need Jesus too. And who is responsible of their salvation? Who's going to bring the gospel to them? Oh, my youth pastor. He will preach the gospel to them. No. Don't trust other people. You are in charge of your own family. Like it or not. You are the head of your house. You are the priest of your family. And we have been speaking about Abraham. Well, he was the head of his family. He took his leadership really serious. What if I'm by myself and, I don't know, my, my husband left or we are divorced? Well, God will give you the wisdom. God will give you the authority. God will, woman of God, God will use you to be just like the mom and grandma of Timothy who brought Timothy to a place of knowing God in a way that, well, shake his own life and nations. That's the gospel. It's the power of the gospel dwelling inside of us. So we see that Adam brought all this, death, condemnation, judgment. Our children need God. That's why, that's why we need to preach the gospel to our kids, to our, to our sons, to our daughters. But Jesus, he brought acceptance, love, righteousness, and life itself. He brought the promise. And the fourth movement, the last one, we see this contrast in verses 20 to 21 between law and grace. And Paul says there, and this is how he finishes the chapter, verse 20 and 21. Now the law came in, came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. Now the question is, why God brought the Ten Commandments or the law to people if, if uh, they will be useless, we can say. They will not make the purpose of getting us closer to God. Well, this is the answer. This is what Paul says. The Ten Commandments never were given to make men do right. That was not the purpose. They were given to show men how wrong they already are. 
just to show us that we can't do it on our own. There's no way we can touch the roof just like we said last Sunday. Without believing that God has decided to bring the roof down. Jesus Christ. Now I can taste and see the glory of God here on earth right here. Finally, Paul tells us that the worse we get, the closer we are to discovering the grace of restoration, cleansing, and forgiveness in Jesus. That's grace. Maybe you are believing, well, this is the worst I've done so much in my life. I don't know how to get out of here. Well, here's the answer from God. Come, receive my grace. Come, experience my grace, my forgiveness. You know, if you take a look at Jesus' followers and disciples, they were not the brightest, they were not the holiest, or just sinners. Paul, the persecutor of Christians, who brought to death, I don't, we, don't, we don't know how many, but have helped a lot of Pharisees to bring to, to death many Christians back then, in the first century. He was later on, change, transform, and use as the apostles who brought the gospel. While Thomas went all the way to India, Paul wanted to go all the way to Spain so they can fulfill the commandment of go to all the nations, all the nations that they, they knew back then, Spain and India, the limits of the empire. They just wanted to fulfill the word. How they did it? They allowed God to transform their lives to trials and sufferings. And afflictions. It's hard for, for us to accept it. But until we surrender. And believe that even in, in the sufferings. God wants to be praised. Even in the, in the midst of trials. God wants to do something in my life. Then I will continue suffering. But what, you know how to put a stop to suffering? Start rejoicing. That's easy to say. That's not what I'm saying. It's what the Bible says. Start believing what the Bible says. Rejoice in your sufferings. Rejoice in the hope you have. Rejoice in God. That's what Paul is, is teaching right here at the end. Rejoice in God because God has done all this for you. He, have give, he has given you grace through Jesus. The point of all this is the love of God manifested in Jesus. Adam ruins us all. Only Christ can set us free. Sin and death will never lose their filthy hold on us except at the command of Jesus Christ. Therefore, the one to whom we look is the Lord Jesus. Jesus is the head of a new race, the beginning of a new humanity. That's why we call him our Lord. Jesus is Lord. Thus, we rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And in doing so, we can also learn to rejoice in our suffering and in hope. And as the worship team comes to the altar to lead us in worship, I invite you to bow, to bow down your head, close your eyes, take a moment to meditate on the Word this morning, take a moment to think about your own life. And I invite you to take a look at your own suffering. Take a look at what you're going through. Take a look. Now I want you to, be, to visualize Christ being there in the middle with you. Jesus is there, right there with you in your sufferings. Jesus is right there with you when you go through hard times. In the, in the midst of this crisis that maybe you are going through, with your family, marriage, children, whatever it may be, your health, 
finances, whatever it may be. Jesus is in the furnace with you, just like he was with Sadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Jesus is right there. And he wants to teach you the secret to rejoice in the midst of suffering. And the secret is to see God working in you. I invite you to pray. Close your eyes. Oh, Holy Spirit, we pray that you come. That you will bring the spirit of rejoice that we need. This, we need you, Lord. We can't do this by ourselves. And we believe in the promise that you said that you will never forsake us. You will never leave us. You are with us right now, right here. Lord, and I want to bless the church today, this morning. I want to bless my fellow brothers and sisters. If there are some of them who are going through hard times, I pray that they will find hope right now. You will bring hope into their lives. You will, you, you, you will bring, Lord, a knowledge of something that you are working in them, even through this hard time, even through the sufferings. You are working in us. Lord, help us to be patient and help the Lord to know that you are producing endurance, character, hope, and to embrace one more time the cross. Lord, we can rejoice in you because our joy doesn't depend on this earth, on the situations or circumstances of our lives. It depends on what you have done for us. It depends on your promises and our joy securing heaven. Lord, thank you because you are preparing us for eternity. For eternity. You are preparing us, Lord, for something bigger than this earth. And Lord, help us. Help us today to move from a state of resentment and bitterness, maybe, towards, towards you, towards other people, maybe towards our present afflictions. Help us to move to a state of joy and praise. Lord, we know that in our flesh this seems impossible, but as we learn today, you have been, we have been reconciled with you through Jesus. Lord, we pray that you help us to grow in our personal life in our spiritual life and that we will be able and capable of rejoicing in hope, sufferings and most of all be able to rejoice in you, God. Oh, Jesus, we thank you. We thank you. Holy Spirit, we thank you. you feel comfortable I invite you to pray with someone today in the morning if not you can stay on your on your chair and you can pray and talk to God there but if you are here with someone I invite you to hold hands and pray let's pray